We are working away through Genesis, and as George has told me today, since it has 50 chapters, I had better get going. <laughs> I know that I know that you're used to me asking questions and uh, uh, before I start the sermon, but I want to make sure that you know that the Bible is chock just completely full of people that doubt that wonder, that laugh under their breath at God's promises, that maybe don't trust him just perfect. And if my guess is, is that sitting in this room, there's a pretty good percentage of people that sometimes wonder whether God can actually pull off the stuff that's promised. And our story today has two people laugh under their breath at a promise made by God. So I want you to just know that we're in good company. I'm not asking you to raise your hands. I'm not asking you to self-identify. I'm not asking you to do anything other than to recognize that sometimes God's promises seem hard to accept. Yes? Let's read this. When This is uh, uh, Genesis 17. I am covering a chapter and a half of scripture today. I'm not going to be reading it all. I just want you to know, you're not going to sit here while I read 20 minutes of scripture. But I'm going to start. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. That's the first use of this word. This is a new revelation of who God is. This is and he's going to explain what it means. I am El Shaddai. Previously, God has been known as El Elyon, the God Most High, and last week, El Roy, the God who sees, this week, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you, I, by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground, and then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. You will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be Abraham. Now, we, I need you to know, just this is one of the things we've been talking about in the story of Genesis, that Abram to Abraham is a change of name of father or exalted Ram father Avram Abraham Abram is exalted father Avram is now rhyming with a word that no longer exists which means multitudes right it's it's in other languages they they have to sort of make this thing but father of multitudes now you're 99 and you do have this one son, Ishmael, but that's not a multitude, is it? Does that seem like a multitude to you, just the one? I know that I, I was having a conversation in the beginning, we just have this small family, it's just me, my, right? That's what it is. I'm going to make you a multitude. I'm going to give you a new name. You're going to have a new start. Now, I would like you to understand that at 99, a new start seems what? 
far-fetched, ridiculous, the whole thing, right? How many of you are looking for a new start at your age right now? That's my question. I had a new start with a friend a couple weeks ago. I hadn't seen him since I was nine. It's 50 years. I was telling, telling Carl before, you know, um, some water has gone under the bridge in between those two times, and we don't have near as much in common as we used to have because we've had some intervening years. I'm not sure I'm always ready for a new start, but here's the new start. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants and after you from generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of the descendants after you and I will give the land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants and it will be your possession forever and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is this, to obey the terms of the covenant, you and all your descendants. Have this continual responsibility. This is the job. you got to keep the covenant. That's your job. But I'm going to guarantee that's what God's saying to Abraham. I'm going to guarantee it, but you're going to keep the covenant too. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. Every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after their birth. Now, I do want you to know that the Jewish belief is, is that, that while the males are circumcised, it's a circumcision in the community. So they consider the women the same, not requiring what we know now as female circumcision. That's not being required. But they considered the women as part of the of that land. This, this applies not only to the members of your family, but your servants, the household. Your bodies will bear the mark of the covenant. Did you know that? That when you're inside the covenant of God, that there's a mark on you. That he requires a change and a mark. He sets his mark on you. Now, this is a private mark, but it's a mark and it's a change. He's even changing the name. There's a mark. And he goes on to say, any male who fails to be will be cut off from the covenant. And then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will now not be Sarai, but Sarah. Now, there's no change in meaning there, but it is a new start. Remember, 99 years old, getting a brand new start. That's where you want to be in your life, right? 99 and a brand new start. No? I'm getting a straight up no over here. And yet if God spoke to you and gave you a new identity and said, I'm going to put my mark on you and you're going to get a new start, you would say, I guess I'm starting anew. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless you richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of descent nations will among her descendants. And then Abraham bowed low to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. 
Okay, so the good company, right? The Bible is full, chock full of people that laugh or say, I don't get it. Just chock full of it. Here's some examples. So, so I'm going to do this a little later because we're going to see it again. Sarah laughs when, this, when the promise is repeated near her. And God's going to say, why did she laugh? And she's going to say, I didn't laugh. And he's going to Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> okay. John the Baptist's dad. You can almost hear him go, <laughs> that's not happening. Right? You can almost hear that, and the angel goes, you are not going to speak for a bit. Nine months. Gideon was told to do some stuff, and he goes, how will I know? Right? The Bible is chock full of people that when God says this, they go, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I just want you to know, that's kind of the way it goes. There's a famous tale in 2 Kings 13, I think it's 13, yeah, 13, where Elisha's talking to the king before a battle, and Elisha says to him, shoot an arrow out the window. And so he shoots an arrow out the window, and he goes, you are the arrow of the Lord against the enemies today. And he goes, and with vigor, smash the arrows against the ground. And the king goes, and stops. And Elisha goes, not very excited, huh? Elisha. You should have pounded those arrows against the ground because God was speaking, but your disinterest or disbelief just sort of formed in there. I just want you to hear that. We're in good company, Abraham, now changed, with a life of changes, is doing this. He laughs. How can I become a father at age 100? And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael, right, still seeking his own plan, may Ishmael live under this blessing. But God said, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son because his name is El Shaddai. Right? Is nothing too much for him? He's not just sitting on the throne, El Elyon. He's not just God on high, El Elyon, sitting over there. He's not just sitting over there, El Roy, seeing you. His El Shaddai, nothing's too much for him. Now, the New Testament would say it this way. Are you ready? With people, this is impossible. But with God... Everything is possible. This is the root of that. I'm El Shaddai. I'm the powerful one. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. But here's the cool little thing that we kind of ignore in biblical reading. And as for Ishmael, I will bless him also. Do we remember this? I mean, we've been pointing it out, I've been pointing it out repeatedly in Genesis, that God is tracking not just the favored line, 
and doing mighty things, not just in the favored line. But the reason for Genesis is, is that Messiah is at the end of one particular line. Messiah's not at the end of every line, but at this line, he's, he's doing this thing, and he's creating a people who've had constant, continual life changes in that line. And he's putting his mark on them. But that doesn't mean he's only paying attention to that line. So here's the thing. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you, as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes. 12. Just want you to know, good biblical number there, right? 12 what? 12 what in the Bible? Anybody? 12 what? 12 disciples. 12 tribes. 12 by 12 by 12. By the way, 12 times 12 is 144. So in, in, in Revelation, 144,000 is 12 by 12 by 10 by 10 by 10. Right? It's, it's this big number. But 12, that's a good biblical number. Extremely fruitful. 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation, but my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac. Do you see what he's saying? He's not, he's not playing favorites the way that humans play favorites. This one's my favorite, and they get everything, and nobody else gets nothing. That's not what's going on here. He's going to bless Ishmael. But we're tracking a covenant. Remember that. We just we need to pay attention that, that the covenant is about Messiah. And, and Messiah isn't just about that family, but about the whole world. And Messiah isn't coming because we want him. He's coming because we need him. Do you know the difference between I want him versus I need him is? You might not want what you need. You might not need what you want. But the difference here of Messiah coming is because we need him. Because we can't do it. And we need him because we are not El Shaddai. We're not El Yom. We're not El Roy. We don't see everything. We don't sit up on high. We don't have power. We need a Savior because we can't do it on our own. And God says, I will do this. And so God took every member of his family and, and, and circumcised them and did all this. By the way, Ishmael too. Ishmael too. Is there anybody else that was ever included in something that you were a little surprised about? I think of one in particular one. Did you know that on the night he was betrayed, when Jesus washed feet, he washed Judas's feet? And on the night he was betrayed, after he washed the feet, and when he instituted communion, Judas partaked. It's not God that shuts the rest of the world out. By the way, there's this very famous thing, right? 
How can God send people to hell? You ever heard that? God doesn't send anybody to hell. I just was watching a thing just the other day. It went like this. It was like this. That the ship is going down. And there's a lifeboat. And so somebody says, hey, there's a lifeboat. Would you like to get on it? But if you say, no, I think I'll stay with the ship. And you go down with the ship. You're not going someplace you weren't already going. You're going exactly where you were already going. The chance to get off the ship and get on the lifeboat was the option. That's the promise of God, the chance to get in the lifeboat, to get off the sinking ship. God's not sending people to hell. He's, he's rescuing. He's the Savior we need, rescuing them from the place we were already headed from the destination we already bought the ticket to. Anyway, more story goes by. The Lord appeared, this is 18, the Lord appeared again to Abraham near this oak grove. By the way, a tree grove, probably not oaks. It's really hard to get a type of tree out of the ancient Hebrew languages. It's just one of these weird ones. If, you're, if, you're, if your Bible just says a grove of trees, they're just trying to handle the language. He looked up and noticed three men standing by, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, if it pleases me, stop here a while. By the way, something's going on here, right? Abraham, a prince among us, is running over and bowing low, my Lord. He's recognizing something, isn't he? If it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while, while water to have your feet washed is brought. Since you're, you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on the journey. All right, do as you have said. And so Abraham went back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get these three measures of the best flour and dough and bake some bread. By the way, when you invite people over, do you start cooking at that moment? You're going to make the bad bread while they wait in the living room. And if you're going to put, if you're going to kill the fatted calf and go roast it, you're going to be the host for a while. Yes? I just think of that. It takes a little while to put, just to put the animal on the spit and do this. Anyway, when the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and roasted meat. And as they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. And they said, where's Sarah, your wife? She's inside the tent. And then one of them said, I, I, when I return next, this time next year, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children, which we're just repeating, right? And she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn old woman like me enjoy such a pleasure? What is the limit of what God can do in your life. Who's the limit? 
Are you are you the limit? Is God the limit? See, I'm not I'm not sure I have an answer to the question. I think that God you could say no to God, and sometimes he'll go, okay, maybe I'll do it for their kids. But sometimes you can go, uh no, I'm not doing that. And God will still do it in your life. What's the limit? And then the Lord, by the way, suddenly they're not just visitors. I just want you to get this. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied that she was, said, I didn't laugh. No, you laughed. What do we do with this text? What do we do with this? If all scripture is God-breathed and useful for us, what should we be learning? We should be learning that A, first off, we should be learning this all the time, not just from this text, but A, nothing is too big for God and that he can do it even if we can't see the way through Yes? Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand on this, but do you have something in your life going on right now that you can't see the way through? Are you willing, if God has a way through, to let him do it? That, by the way, might be another way that you don't see a way through, right? Not just, I don't see how he's going to solve it, but I'm not sure I'm going to let him. But what do we do with this? Do we bow low and serve the Lord who is El Shaddai, the all-powerful one, the one who's able to make us change? Do we, do we sort of stop and disqualify ourselves by not believing or even resisting God sometimes? But I'm not asking you to raise your hand on that because... I don't want you to admit to everybody that you've resisted God somewhere along the line. You have, but you don't need to say it today. You don't have a yeah, you don't have a choice, but you have resisted him. Every one of us have resisted him at some time. And maybe we've done it by lack of belief, or maybe we stood there like this with our fist in the air. Have you ever done that? There ain't no way you're doing that with me. I'm not doing that. Or perhaps you said, I don't think so. But what I want to do is I want us as a church to begin to think about the way that God can work in our lives and to let him have his way. even if a chortle escapes our mouth when we hear it. <laughs> no. <laughs> a chortle. Right? Because all scripture is God-breathed, and he is revealing himself through it. And 
we need more of him and to understand more of him. And so I ask you today, is God in charge? Is he able? Okay, so if he if that's yes, then let's say that. God's in charge. God's in charge. God is able. We are his. And he is mine. See, I can be adjusted. Let's pray. I think that's enough. And the microphone seems to be working now. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much as the worship team comes forward that we could see you and know you as El Shaddai, that we could be your people even if we have a little bit of unbelief. Lord, I ask that you put your mark on us, that we could be your people and live in the covenant. Continue to do that. We ask you to do what you're already doing. Pour your love out on us. In mercy, Lord, we ask these things. In your precious name, amen.